Please proceed that with the harmony. Praise be to God. We are in the season of Advent. This is the second Sunday of Advent. And last Sunday, we said that the candles represented different sections of time. Uh, early evening, midnight watch, cockerel, and early morning. And basically, it represents that time is going on, the nearer we are coming to the end when Jesus Christ would come. It is a day that we should prepare for, a day that we should rejoice in. Amen? And the season of Advent allows us to prepare spiritually, reminds us rather that we are to prepare spiritually. It doesn't mean we will neglect our physical preparations, okay? I know that, we, that there are parties that we've been planning, reunions and stuff like that. It doesn't mean that we uh, neglect those things, but rather what, it, what Advent is reminding us of, we need to prepare for the most important thing in our lives, and that's our life with God. Amen? But uh, let me just uh, see if uh, uh, we're much more familiar with the physical or with the spiritual. Okay. I'm going to mention a name. If you recognize the name or if you know whom I'm talking about, raise your right hand. Okay. If you don't know whom I'm talking about or you don't recognize the name, don't raise your hand. So if you recognize, raise your right hand, right? So practice. I'll say a name. If you recognize, what are you going to do? Not the right foot, right hand. Okay, name, practice. Sister Nemia. So only a few of you know Sister Nemia, all right? Okay. Uh, let me say this, Mickey Mouse. Okay, good, all right, end of practice. This is the right thing, all right? Let me say this name, St. Peter. Okay. Irenaeus. Okay, so you know him. Augustine. Wonder Woman. Superman. Thor. Some of you don't even know Thor. Okay, good. Uh, St. John the Beloved, the Apostle. Okay. Donald Duck. Dharma. <laughs> the, the, the reasoning behind this, sacrifice, uh, this, this practice uh, or this exercise is that we sometimes recognize people of the world whether they're real or imagined. Okay? I mean, Many of us recognize Superman. Is he a real person? He's a comic character. Many of us recognize Wonder Woman and Darna. Okay? They're not real persons, they're imaginary. But like certain people in the Bible, uh, at least we know Peter, we know John, but certain saints like Irenaeus, some of us only, just a few of us only recognize. What I'm trying to say through this is that Advent reminds us to become more familiar, uh, more connected 
to the spiritual side of things rather than the physical. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to become more uh, familiar with the world of Jesus, with the kingdom of God, rather than uh, the world that is around us today. And so uh, we have for our theme today, pure preparation. What are we preparing for? I know we're preparing for Christmas, uh, recipes, invitation to friends, uh, preparing the house, and, and those things are good. But the, the thing is, if we have prepared our physical house, have we prepared our house, our inner lives? I know we're taking the dirt out of, of the house, but have we taken the unforgiveness out? Have we taken the bitterness out of our hearts? Do you understand what I'm saying? I know that we're getting to know the latest trends, okay? The most popular Christmas carols or the latest games or the latest recipes so that when we come to the party, we're going to enjoy that. But the question also is, are we getting to know uh, the principles of the kingdom of God? Because the principles of the kingdom of God, they don't change. They're real. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's the theme that we have today, pure preparation. And basically, if there's going to be a message that we have today, it's this. God has called us to prepare the way for him. God has called us to prepare the way for him. Okay? And so, as we come to uh, the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 8. I'd like to uh, talk about two principles here. Okay. Uh, the first principle is, uh, basically this in verse 1 to 3, is this. God has called us to partner with him. God has called us to partner with him. Okay. And then from verse 4 to verse 8, God has called us to walk in His power. God has called us to walk in His power. Okay? Now let me just read uh, uh, verse 1 to 3 first. No? Well, let me just read verse 1. Uh, the first thought, like I said, the one I'd like to share with you is God has called us to partner with Him. And basically the idea behind this thought is this. We know that God is almighty amen uh, there are basically three uh, theological words that describe god he's omnipotent now that sounds like a big word basically what it means is all powerful the word omnipotent means all powerful men can create something from something Okay? For example, we have this pulpit here. It's made out of wood. It was created, or someone built this, but it was not created from nothing. We had to get the raw material from wood. You understand what I'm saying? So this was created from something, but only God can create something from nothing. Amen? I mean, the Bible very clearly says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing, and by speaking things into existence, 
suddenly we have everything from nothing to something to everything. You understand what I'm saying? Omnipotent, all powerful. We know that God is omniscient. Not a big word. What, what does that mean? All knowing. Okay, all knowing. That means he knows everything. He knows everything that happened in the past. He knows everything that's happening right now. Okay? We know what's happening right now based on what you're seeing. You know what I am teaching based on what you're hearing. Amen? But do you know what the pastor of the Assemblies of God down the street is teaching? You don't. Do you know what the Roman Catholic priest uh, in the center is teaching? You don't. Okay? Do you know what the ministers of God are preaching in Manila and, and, and uh, in, the, in, in Mindanao? You don't. Because you're not, you're not God. You don't know everything. And as we begin to learn everything, as we begin to learn from God, our knowledge begins to increase, right? We come to the point we know a lot of things, but we do not know everything. Amen? God knows everything. He knows the intents of our hearts. He knows the words that we are going to say even before we say them. As a matter of fact, Advent, okay, is the start of the liturgical year for us. And it's saying God knows the end from the beginning. Okay? It's not like us. We don't know the end from the beginning. We only get to know the end when we come to the end. Amen? How many of you watch movies? Many of us are so uh, rigid when it comes to watching movies when someone is going to say something. Eh, 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 eh. Spoiler, spoiler. Don't tell me, don't tell me. Don't tell me if somebody died. Don't tell me what it, how it's going to end. Don't tell me. I want to know what the end is. Because that's part of enjoying the movie, right? You get, uh, you get involved in the story. And when you get to the end, then that's the time you find out what the real ending is. Right? We only find out when we get to the end. God knows the end from the beginning. As a matter of fact, he gave us the book of Revelation. He shows us the end. And you know, the reason why we have the season of Advent is God is reminding us, remember, you're with me. I'm the winner here. And I'm going to come back again. And I'm going to throw Satan into the lake of fire. I'm going to establish my kingdom. But until that time comes, I want you to live for me. You understand what I'm saying? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He's God. He's omniscient. The other big word is omnipresent. Omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. Okay? He's here now. Some people say, well, where is Jesus? He's by the right hand of the Father, but he's also in our hearts. Okay? I've heard a preacher say, the Holy Spirit is no longer in heaven, he's on earth. Yes, he's on the earth, but because he's also God, he's also in heaven. You understand what I'm saying? God is here and God is there. Amen? 
He, how, how does he do that? One day, he'll probably explain it to us. But right now, we know that he's everywhere. As a matter of fact, the psalmist wrote, even if I try to hide in hell, you are there, you find me. In other words, he's saying, there's no place that I can hide from you. Okay? No place I can hide from you. And so basically, when we talk about God being omnipresent, omniscient, uh, omnipotent, He can do everything. Does God need us in order to accomplish the work He wants to do? Technically, let me say it this way. Us, without God, we're nothing. God, without us, He's still God. Right? Technically speaking, God doesn't need to have us. Doesn't have to need us. Hello? If God wanted to do everything by himself, he could. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when God created us, he decided that we would become a part of his plan. He decided to delegate authority to us. When God created Adam, he said to Adam and Eve, have dominion. I'm giving you a part of my dominion. You have dominion over earth. I have dominion over the entire universe. Okay? I mean, think about it. When Satan came into the garden, did God know? that Satan was in the Garden of Eden? Yes, he did. Did God know the intents of Satan's uh, wicked heart, that he was going to tempt man? Yes, he did. Could God have stopped him with his power? Yes, he did. Think about this. Once upon a time, Satan was the most beautiful angel in the universe. His name was Lucifer, and that name means a bearer of God's light and glory. He was in charge of bringing the glory to God, but pride entered into his heart. And he decided, I want the glory for myself also. I am not just going, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like God, but not only that, God said, he said, he said to, to Lucifer, in your heart you said you're going to build your throne higher than my throne okay once upon a time lucifer was there but then when he rebelled against god and he talked to some of the angels god threw them out of heaven amen some people say that's the time that michael battled with lucifer no god doesn't need Michael, God doesn't need Gabriel, God doesn't need the help of all the good angels in heaven to throw Satan and his tribe out. You understand what I'm saying? He could do it himself. All he has to do is speak the word. Boom! He's kicked out of heaven. You understand what I'm saying? That's how powerful God is. So how come there are so many angels and they're warriors? I mean, if they're if some, I mean, especially the tribe of Michael, they were created for war and fighting. 
I mean, God could throw Satan out from heaven. What's the point of having warrior angels? God created them to help us, to fight with us and for us. You understand what I'm saying? Here we need the angels. Amen? I mean, God could have done it himself. But no, he gave authority of the earth over man, to man, right? So if Satan was there, and he was supposed to be, and he's not supposed to be there, Adam could have simply said, wait a minute, why are you saying different things from what God said? God told us not to eat from this tree, and they are telling us we've got to eat from this tree because God is keeping something for us. You are accusing God of being a liar. How dare you? Get out of this garden. God expected Adam to do that, but Adam did not do that. So that's the reason why sin came into the world. You understand what I'm saying? Because God chooses to work with us. Even though he can do everything by himself, he chooses to work together with us. Amen? I mean, if he, if he didn't need man to work with him, especially with the gospel, the gospel would have been preached a long time ago. All he has to do is send his angels. Amen? Angels are not limited by time. They're not limited by finances. They're not limited by distances. They can be here one second, the next second they can be in, 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 in America, they can be in, in Europe, they can be in Africa, and no one can persecute and kill them because angels are powerful. Amen? But God chooses to work with man. You understand what I'm saying? And so we need to understand that God has called us to partner with him. Okay? He's going to do the work of salvation, but he's not going to do it alone. He's going to do it together with us. And so, yeah, the world needs to be prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this is a big event in heaven. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ and his parables describe this as a wedding feast. Okay? It would have been so good if God said, okay, the other things you do, but this one, I'm the one preparing for this. No, he prepares for this by including us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? And that's why we come to the gospel that we have here. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay. Now take note what it says here. The beginning of the gospel. The word gospel basically means good news. Okay? Good news. What we are hearing from God is good news. Jesus coming into our lives is good news. This is the gospel. Alright? So basically, what is the gospel? The basic gospel. Let's say someone comes to you and says, I want to make sure that I will be entering into the kingdom of heaven. What is the good news? The good news simply is this. Listen up. God created man in his image. Okay? But man sinned. He rebelled against God and he sinned. And because man sinned, he was separated from the presence of God. Understand that. Once upon a time, we were not separated. We were like this with him. But because he sinned, he was separated from the presence of God. If you're separated from the presence of God, you have no future. You have no future in this life. You have no future in the next life. You understand what I'm saying? It was man who lost 
his dominion in the garden, it had to be man who had to bring it back. But the problem is, what man is there who is worthy? Okay? The Bible says, uh, because of sin, someone has to die for that sin. But who is worthy enough? Because everyone is under sin. God has no sin, but he's not a man. So he can't do it for us. Man is a man. He should be able to do it, but he sinned. He's, he has sinned. He has a sin nature. So he's not a worthy sacrifice. So God came up with a plan even before he created man. The Son of God became the Son of Man. God perfect became the Son of Man. And he was born for us. Because sin required the death of a perfect sacrifice. Jesus paid that price. He suffered for us. He was crucified for us. And he died for us. You understand what I'm saying? When he died for us and rose again from the grave, he paid every requirement needed to get into heaven. And he made it so simple. He said, if you want to get to heaven, all you have to do is acknowledge that I'm your Savior and Lord. Accept what I've done for you. The benefits are yours. It's as simple as that. That's the good news. Forgiveness has already been given. Salvation has already been granted to us by Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Now it says here, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's basically Yeshua HaMashiach or Jesus the Messiah. Now this speaks to the Jews because they're waiting for a Messiah. But then the word Messiah doesn't mean anything for people who are not Jews. Okay, non-Jews like Greeks or you know Gentiles. And so he says he's also the Son of God. Now the Son of God talks about a powerful being, a free being. Okay? It's just like us. I mean our movies today, we've got a lot of superhero movies coming today, right? We've got a Superman, we know about him. We've got the Avengers, we've got Thor, we've got all of the we've got the X-Men. The problem with the X-Men is they're not human, they're mutants. They're half human, half something. The problem with Superman, he's not human. He came from another planet. Okay? And then there's the problem with Thor. He's supposed to be a god. Okay? And I remember the scene in the, the first movie, The Avengers. You know, they were just getting together. There's this guy, Captain America. He didn't understand what's going on. And so there's this... This woman, uh, what's her name? Black Widow. He try, She tries to explain to Captain America. You see, it's Loki, it's his brother, and he is, and they're both gods and they're quarreling. And so Captain America is trying to think that, and he jumps off the plane and he says, there's only one god, man, and he doesn't dress that way. Okay? So for us, there's only one god. But for some people outside the Jewish system, they needed to understand that he's someone high, powerful, and you know, if you put your trust in him, you won't be disappointed. And so we have the title, Son of God. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, speaks to the Jews. 
Son of God, he speaks to us. He is able to accomplish the impossible in our life. And he says, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. See, the wilderness is not a safe area. You, you would rather be in the city. You have water here, you have walls protecting you, you've got security. In the wilderness, you're exposed to the animals, you're exposed to the heat, you're exposed to the elements and things like that. It's basically symbolic of dark places. But what he's saying here is this, that we as the church, bearers of light, are to go and invade the dark places. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, it's nice to stay in a safe place. Yes, it's nice to, sit, to stay in a convenient place. But God is saying, okay, we were, we're, you, you had me, now go and bring that light there. As a matter of fact, at the end of every Mass, we have the deacon say, go in the name of Christ. Go in the name of Jesus. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's not telling you the Mass is over and leave already. He's telling you, now that you have received the life of Christ, now that you have received the power of the Word of God, now that you have been renewed, refreshed, sustained by the Holy Sacraments, the body and the blood of Christ, take that and bring the power, the life of that into the world outside you. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? Don't just be a Christian here, be a Christian out there. Amen? And basically, that's how we prepare the way for the people. They need to understand Jesus Christ is coming back again. Now, I'll just put a marker here and scoot over to 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. Okay? No. no I want to start first. But no, let's start with uh, verse 8. People have been asking, people have been saying that he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. The, the church in St. Matthew's Day were saying that. The church uh, of the disciples of the apostles were saying that. We're now in the 21st century. We're still saying that he hasn't come yet. Okay? So how do we know this is true? The church of the first century said he'd come, he hasn't come yet. Second century he'd come, he hasn't come yet. Third, fourth, fifth, seventh, eighth century, hasn't come yet. Seventh and the fifteenth century, hasn't come yet. And now we're here we are, 21st century, he hasn't come yet. What's going on? I wonder what's going to take place. Maybe he forgot about us. Maybe it's just too long. God became so old and senile and he forgot. No, God doesn't forget and God doesn't age. Amen? In verse 8, take note, beloved, do not forget this one thing. Okay? That with the Lord, one day, is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day for us a thousand years is a very long time amen not none of us 
has ever reached 1,000 years, not even Adam. 900 plus, yes, but didn't get there. You understand what I'm saying? You see, we are people in time. God is in eternity. There is no time there. I remember uh, Bishop Jim Libby when he went into a coma for four days. On the fourth day, he woke up. He saw his wife besides him. And he says, honey, I'm really sorry. I've been gone for four minutes. And his wife said, what do you mean you've been gone for four minutes? You've been in a coma for four days. And he said, really? Felt to me like only four minutes. See, he went to heaven and he saw Jesus. He saw his father, young, like a young man. And he said, it felt to me like four minutes. That's how it feels like. But when he came back, his wife said, that was not four minutes. That was four days. You understand what I'm saying? So he says, don't forget this one thing, that one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. You know what slack means? Sometimes he forgets. Slack means he's not diligent in keeping his promises. Okay? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As a matter of fact, many of us know that God keeps his promises, right? How many of you, God kept his promise concerning healing? How many of you, God kept his promise concerning uh, financial supply? Yeah, he keeps his promises. There's just one promise he would like to keep also, and he's keeping this, but he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does that mean? If Jesus, if the Father said to Jesus right now, okay, son, go down and get your bride, there are some people who will never get the chance to be reconciled to God through Christ and they will go to hell. You understand what I'm saying? And some of them are our friends. Some of them are our relatives. Some of them are our families. You understand what I'm saying? And he doesn't, if you don't want them lost forever, God certainly doesn't want them lost forever. So he says, that's the reason he hasn't come yet. It's not because he's slack or forgetful or not diligent. It's because he's compassionate, he's merciful, he's giving everyone as much time as they need so that they can finally come to God and reconcile to him. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Once upon a time, the earth was destroyed by water. It was during Noah's time. But now God is saying a day will come, fire will come. Now, some people say, is that nuclear war? Well, nuclear war, it's man-made. 
In Noah's time, the waters that came, you know, this was not the result of a natural occurrence. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. And some people so that's natural. Well, before Noah's flood, it never rained on the earth. Never. You understand what I'm saying? Before Noah lived during his time, water did not come from the sky. And so when water started falling from the sky, when rain started coming, that was a supernatural thing. You understand what I'm saying? If that is going to, if that was a supernatural thing, I believe this one is a supernatural thing too. Hello? Think on it says, the heavens uh, will pass away with a great noise. People are asking today, why are they hearing noises like trumpet-like sounds coming from the sky and nobody can explain what it is? Maybe God is reminding us of scriptures like this. And then he says, therefore, since all of these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct? That means if you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back again, then part of the preparation that we do is we live lives pleasing to God. You understand what I'm saying? We live according to the principles of the Word of God. We live according to the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to proclaim the character of Jesus by living out the Word of God in our lives. We want to proclaim the power of Jesus by relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We want to show the order of Jesus by worshiping this way that he has prescribed for us. Amen? Now let's go back to the first thought. Uh, let's go back to Mark. And let's go to the second thought. First thought, God has called us to partner with him. That means we're part of what's going on. We have our responsibility of preparing. And we prepare, we prepare the way by living out the life of Jesus, by proclaiming the message of Jesus through our lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and through the way that we worship. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? From verse 4 to verse 8, like I said, God has called us to walk in His power. Well, we don't have time to read all of this, but let me just read uh, verse 7 and 8. And He preached saying, there comes one after me who's mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, as we trust God and obey God, people say, well, how do we live out? You know, we're imperfect people. How do we accomplish the things that are impossible? The answer, it is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has commanded us to prepare the world, but he didn't say, do it based on your limited resources. No, God said, don't worry, I am sending the power of heaven. I'm sending to you the power of the Holy, I'm sending in the Holy Spirit himself, and he's going to be the one that will empower you, who will empower you to do the works I've commanded you to do. You understand what I'm saying? Hello, so praise be to God, He's not called us to wait for his second coming. He has called us to participate with him in preparing for his second coming. And when we do that, we do that not according to our limitations or weaknesses. We do that by the power that God has provided us. Let's put our mind to work. 
let's put our commitments there and let's do what God said he would do and one day when he comes back again we will hear him say well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your Lord amen I'm if you learned something today